0: Is your home or that of an older loved one filled with 50 plus years worth of stuff? This is Kinsley Turnipseed with My Other Mother. We specialize in senior move management, helping seniors transition into their next great adventure. We do this with compassion and dignity by encouraging them to keep the memories and lose the
1: stuff. Right size, downsize, age in place, what will your legacy to your family really be? You can reach us at meetmyothermother.com. Today's book day on Navigating in Reverse. Every issue of the magazine, Reverse, has a book review. The current issue includes a review on being mortal, medicine and what matters in the end. It's kind of a tough conversation, but we're having it with someone who makes it fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. Welcome to Navigating in Reverse, the podcast for people who are taking care of their senior parents or other loved ones. I'm Anna Geldman-Edmonds, your host for the episode. Before we get started, I want to just kind of let all the listeners know that the magazine actually includes a book review in every issue. I think it's important to let readers know that there are resources out there on a myriad of subjects. And so I always invite someone that I know or who wants to, through conversations I've had with them, go ahead and review a book they've read that's pertinent to our reading audience. So with that being said, there is one in the current issue of Reverse Magazine, and I've brought in the writer of the review, not the writer of the book. So that person has been on the podcast before. She's lots of fun. She's been a good friend of mine for a long, long time. Welcome to the podcast, Heather Lee. Hi, Anna. Good to see you again. Thank you for the invite back. You're a huge reader. You read even more than I do. You're always reading and buying and borrowing books. Um, I don't know where you find the time to do that. But you offered out of the gate to do the book review for me. Um, More than one. You'll probably be writing some in the future. I have other people doing those, too. But this book review, it's Atul Gawande's Being Mortal. The subtitle is Medicine and What Matters in the End. I, I don't know where Gawande is. I don't know if he's actually American, but I think that he he he's a doctor and he practices in America, is my understanding. So anyways, I'm going to, first of all, why did you choose to review this book? And then what is it about? Well, thank you. That's a great opening question.
0: And yes, Atul, he and his family immigrated, I believe, from India. His father was also a surgeon. Atul is a surgeon. And the reason why I selected this particular, book as I used it in my death and dying class I taught at Columbia College. There is a huge separation in my many years of being in the cemetery business where families have felt somewhat left out of the end-of-life decisions or that they were misguided by the end-of-life decisions. And this particular book takes a very practical look from a tools perspective as a surgeon who used to advise his patients, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to get you back into shape and you're going to be right back out there living life again, when the reality is, is that person was on a very um, end-of-life train and that, that they were not going to improve. And I really like his perspective that, faced with it in his own family and dealing with his father's diagnosis of cancer, his perspective totally changed. And he took a very deep dive into the medical community and that Hippocratic Hippocratic Oath that the physicians take. And so from that perspective and hearing a physician, his father's cancer doctor say, listen, we're going to get you right back out onto that tennis court, and both he and his father knew that was not going to happen.
1: Right. So I have long said for many, many, many years, just because you can extend someone's life doesn't mean you should. And we're not talking here about euthanasia. That, that is not the topic that's on the table right now. This is when somebody has a diagnosis of a life-limiting or terminal illness, and they have a decision to make. Um, when you mentioned the Hippocratic Oath, what went through my head was part of that is do no harm. I mean, that's what it's all about. Doctors are there to heal and do good. Well, someone doesn't want to go through the agony of something like that. Dialysis is another one, where you are tied to a machine like every other day for hours. And the days that you're not on the machine, you're exhausted, recovering from that that blood that goes through that filter. That's an exhausting process. So you are in dialysis one day, you go home and rest the next, you come back to dialysis. There's no quality of life there. So these are just the little things that I know about that topic. You know a lot more. So um, with that being said, did you learn anything new or did something particularly interesting in this book strike you that you had not really thought of before? Because you've been in this industry for a long time.
0: A couple things that come to mind. And the very first one is when I was teaching class on how many young individuals lost a parent and a couple in in general who were unaware that that parent was suffering a terminal diagnosis. If the family was aware and more involved in that process, they could have planned a quality of life and instead of quantity so we look at well if we can extend that life an, ad- an additional week an additional month what quality does that person have right and and the other thing we fail to look at is we can have quality of life with certain goals to be met on a daily basis with that individual who has been diagnosed and that needs to be a conversation to take place amongst the family with their physician Out of this particular book, what I find to be most interesting and incredibly helpful is not only was this an investigation on a surface level, it was a deep dive into all of the components that an individual facing end of life must go through as far as the number of physicians, uh, downsizing their, their home, right. the legal aspects, do they have legal documentation, and everything that impacts the, this particular individual. And there are ways to do that in a healthy manner. And what I like about a tool's Approach is the fact that it is very general and doable by anybody. This is not a book that is filled with a lot of medical mar- uh, jumbo mumbo-jumbo and it also is very clear and if you want a shorter version and you're not a reader or don't like to to pick up a book you can go to i believe it was nbc that did a video or a movie on this oh okay. and so it is you can watch this just google it and it'll pop right up and I think that seeing the emotion through the various patients that they interview in this was incredible. So when you take the book and then you watch the movie and put it together, it really brings home the the idea that we can do so much more to provide comfort and care uh, during those processes at the end of life.
1: Yeah, I feel like in the 20th, 20th and 21st century, we go much more toward you know, extending life at all costs, where there's no dignity in dying for so many people. It's just, it's ugly, you know, to spend your last days in a hospital bed, you know, with continuing to get medication or, I don't know, there's just so many things. I remember my dad being very, very, very sick for like three years. And it was miserable. And I'm not a euthanasia proponent. I would never, I I I, can't do that. That's just not in me. But when I finally heard him say, I'm ready, it was such a relief to me. I wish that internally he had given up sooner because I think he would have gone sooner. You know what I mean? So these doctors have these capabilities, whether they're surgeons or other kinds of doctors, they have so much technology and medicine and tools at their fingertips that they can extend these lives. But should they always do that? And I think that's what this guy came up against, is it not, as a son. I mean, he was giving these diagnoses to his patients and yet encouraging them to keep on. But when he gave them time to think about it later in life, a lot of them made a different decision. They didn't want to do that. Am I correct? Because I have not read the book, but I it's very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, so a couple things about that. Yes, that he does come to that realization now that it's happened in his in his circle of family, mm-hmm. that he's sitting there listening to somebody, and all of a sudden, it, it to him, he feels like he's looking in the mirror now, that this individual just got done telling his dad, who was not going to survive any type of surgery, that this was really it. How can we provide comfort measures? And here's this guy telling his dad, who is an avid tennis player, hey, we're going to get you right back out on the tennis court. They right. knew there was not any possible way, and he and his dad looked at the cancer, which was embedded in his spinal column from his neck down to the middle of his shoulders. Okay, They both looked at it as builders to deconstruct. How could they do this? And no matter which way they were going to try a surgery, it was not possible. And so how do we come about as a family member to advocate for that person? And we go to... And a situation where we can advocate so much and we have to get the medical community on board with us. The challenge becomes when the person who is caring for the terminal ill person, the issue there is is they don't want them to leave. And so as long as there's a body present, regardless of what life support they're on— Yes. As long as they're still there, there is hope. And I want to take a moment and talk about hope. And I think I alluded to this briefly in the prior podcast, where in my own situation, a neighbor was like, well, I want you to know that we're praying for your Aunt Susan to heal and recover from this brain cancer, which there was no hope of recovery. Right. And I, I said, well, you know, how is that going to help? What are you praying for? Well, we're praying for a recovery. She'll never be the same. It's not going to happen. Instead, how you could really be helpful is to pray for the health of the family who is surviving yes. and dealing with this. Pray for a community who supports us resources. and cares yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for good resources. Those are things that a family really needs. And it, and during that time, it's so hard because you also don't want to live with the the thought or the emotional attachment of if I wouldn't have been the one to pull the plug, would they have survived? Right. And I cannot tell you how many times I've counseled individuals who feel that they contributed to the death of a loved one, regardless of what that diagnosis is. And so we need to come to terms and have very serious and good deep-dive conversations on what disease is. And and while we are living longer— it's not possible to live longer healthy. Yes. There's and, a difference. Right. There's a, difference. a huge difference. <laughs> exactly. So how do we have that conversation and what are what do the family uh require in order to make good decisions and be comfortable with
1: that right so my personal situation i remember very clearly my mom just not having the quality of life that she wanted and she would throw these little mini temper tantrums i just want to go home i just want to go home she was she was ready to meet or make her maker and so we had several conversations mom you can give up Anytime you want. I'm ready for you to go. I've said everything to you that I need to see to say. I'm comfortable. I will miss you, but I'm cool with you not wanting to be here anymore. So I hate to be judgmental of people that can't have those kind of conversations. But when I hear about people laying in comas, you know, as as vegetables for years and these families paying these astronomical hospital fees and whatever to keep these people alive, to me, it seems so selfish. Nobody wants to live like that. And I think... If whoever it is you're praying to, you know, we'll call him God for the sake of simplicity. If he wants to heal that person and turn that around, your aunt's brain tumor or whatever, he can do that. (laughs) I'm cool with that, but that's not what I'm aiming for right now because it doesn't in my human mind doesn't look possible. So I just look at these things very practically. So with both my parents, I was good with them going. Um, I think it's important that you say whatever you have to say to that person, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I don't think you should be mean, but I had very loving things to say to my parents. And um, I just wanted to make sure I went out with a clean tab. So I'm comfortable with that, and I wish everybody could be comfortable with that. And I think the doctors need to be on board with that. I think they're the biggest contributors to this because they have all these – power tools in their hands to keep us selfishly keeping people alive that probably have no business going on. Am I being too blunt? No. One of those tools that's missing from that toolbox, though,
0: is that conversation. So who who can have that conversation with the family in a way that is meaningful? And therein lies part of the challenge. So that you need to have that individual in between of diagnosis to when – uh, decisions need to be made, how do we provide hope for the individual who has been diagnosed, what are their goals, and what do they want out of this? Because at some point in time, they're not going to be able to express those opinions. And it's important that we gather that information. What I'd like to, to point out, if your listeners are keen on watching the movie, is there. They take you through the emotional journey. You get to see the patients. You mm-hmm. you are intimate and one in the room with the patient as they are going through this process. Okay. And you can also see the physicians who realize that there needs to be a change.
1: Yeah, their wheels are turning. Yeah,
0: a... you can see the pain that they are okay. going through as well and the recognition of having to tell this individual, we are sorry that your time is coming to an end. And so there needs to be more conversations, more time, mm-hmm. so that families can process this. One particular individual in the in the story, uh, she was adamant. She was going to Disney World, mm-hmm. and she was going to go with her grandchildren. That they had preplanned this. That she completely ignored. The, the fact that she was dying the entire time right. and had no conversation with the family. And it really left the family in a bind mm. during this process because they didn't know what she needed as far as that long-term care sure. or what that end was going to look like. And she didn't express to them what her needs were or what but she was she went was to the happiest for.
1: place on earth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Well— We don't have lots of time, so I'm going to wrap it up in a minute. I just want to say that I do not choose the books that go in the magazine. I let the people that are interested in writing, they choose the book that they want to review. So these do not in any way signify my take on anything. Um, We have another one coming up in the next issue by Kinsley Turnipseed. It's about organizing and downsizing. Um, She wrote a great review, so that's coming in the next issue. Again, we've been talking about the book Being Mortal, Medicine, and What Matters in the End by Atul Gawande, A-T-U-L-G-A-W-A-N-D-E, and we'll have all that in the show notes. Heather, you're always a fun guest. If you missed her first guest appearance on the podcast, it was episode number three. It's about having difficult conversations, kind of planning ahead, and touches on a lot of what we were talking about today. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that and share it with your family and friends. Heather, is there anything real quick that you need to add that I didn't ask you? No, I encourage your listeners to deep dive into this book or watch the movie.
0: It is a life-changing and why I wanted it in this particular issue. And if I'm blessed to write another one, I have the four things that we should discuss. Okay. And I can't wait to provide that for The Reverse Magazine.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. We look forward to that. Thanks for being here. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Most of us want to stay home as we age, but need assistance to do so safely. Carolina HealthCare can help. If you need support because of an injury, a cognitive impairment, or a debilitating diagnosis, Carolina HealthCare will provide a proven caregiver and a care plan tailored to your needs that includes bathing, housekeeping, medication reminders, and more. For over 35 years, Carolina HealthCare has been your award-winning premier non-medical in-home care provider. Find out more at carolinahealthcaresc.com. Palmetto Commercial Services is an extreme cleaning company focusing on severely hoarded homes and homes identified with health and or safety risks for the occupant. If a home is too cluttered or unsanitary for a caregiver to provide proper service, PCS can help. If DSS has an open case, we can bring the home into compliance to help close the case. We help clean homes with severe pest control issues, nicotine, fire hazards, tripping hazards, and more. Call us today at 803-479-0812. From the break, I want to take some time at the end here to do a little bit of housekeeping for navigating and navigating in reverse. Um, The first thing I'd like to say is if you find the podcast interesting, you might want to go back and look at previous episodes I have to honestly say I've only had interesting guests so far. I could talk to them for hours, but um, we actually have some not only interesting guests, but interesting topics. So um, I welcome you to, or I encourage you to go back and look at some of the previous episodes and share them with people who you think would probably benefit from them. We all know somebody who is caring for somebody at some level or getting ready to step into the caregiving role, and you cannot be armed well enough with tools and information. You can also catch Navigating in Reverse on YouTube, if that's what you prefer, and you can simply do a search on YouTube for Navigating in Reverse, and it pops right up, and all our episodes are right there. The other thing I wanted to talk about is people ask me, where do you get your guests for the podcast? Well, isn't that a good secret? I happen to know a lot of people, (laughs) and I'm not shy about asking them to come on, but I always tell everybody the people who are contributing in some way, shape, or form to the magazine reverse get first dibs on being here. So that includes advertisers, people who are contributing content, And that includes people who are writing first-person essays. So I'll just talk about all that a little bit. If you're advertising in Reverse Magazine, you're going to be invited on the podcast. That doesn't mean you have to come, but you're more than welcome to come in and talk about your business or your service. I'm happy to do that for you. The other thing would be contributing writers. I'm not talking about freelance writers who get paid. I'm talking about experts out there in the senior care and caregiving industry who want to share their wisdom and their expertise, their knowledge with listeners. I was just having a conversation a couple hours ago with a colleague of mine about how this industry has got to change. The numbers of seniors moving into this beyond golden years is humongous and the the way the senior care community is set up right now, it's not it's not structured to handle it all. We're having employment problems, economic problems. It's just it's overwhelming. And so there's people out there that are ready to help us tackle it and reframe how we care for our seniors. And we would like those people to not only be contributing articles to the magazine, but also coming onto the podcast to share. What it is they do, and that could be attorneys, financial planners. That could be care providers. It could be medical providers. I mean, it's endless. I mean, we've had some pretty interesting people on here that deal with things that you wouldn't even think of, like extreme cleanup, like hoarding and stuff. That's part of the senior care community. It's amazing how many people are connected, like an octopus arms, just going out, connecting into this industry. So you probably have something to say, and we'd. Love to have you. The other thing is is we will beginning starting with the next issue, every issue I hope will include a showcase of a nonprofit. So this is for 501c3s. I can't give them space on the page for free, but it's very low cost where they write their own article telling people what their mission is, what they do to offer the community. And um, you can contact me through the website on that. That's reversemagazine.us. There's a contact us page there. So if you know somebody or run a nonprofit yourself that's connected somehow with senior caregiving, then you know shoot me an email through the website and I'll give you the information on that. The other way is we are always looking for first-person anecdotes or stories. I'm not talking about a book where you tell your whole story. But every time you listen to these podcasts, you hear one of us share an incident or a memory or something. And so in the current issue of the magazine, Earl Gregorich actually wrote his called, I think it's when caregiving sneaks up on you. And um, he wasn't prepared to be a caregiver, but he, he kind of sees it coming his way. And he just kind of woke up with the realization one day. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm helping my siblings who live thousands of my, or hundreds, I guess, miles away, care for his parents. He knows that he's on call at this point. So it was an interesting uh, read that he shared with us. And we have another one coming up by another friend of mine, Molly, who will be in the next issue. Every caregiver has a story. Every single one of you does. And it can be happy, sad, scary, angry. I don't care. You don't even have to be the best writer. You happen to have the best editor here that you would be sending your story to, and I would help you with that. So those are the three ways that you can contribute to the magazine and also be brought onto the podcast because we would love to have you. There's no scarcity. If you choose not to be part of the magazine, I'm not going to run out of guests because there's just too many to choose from. I should say that... I have been in this caregiving community as a professional now only for maybe six months, not even quite a year, and getting to know people. There are some amazing people out there doing wonderful things for caregivers and seniors, and I'm just delighted to be part of the community and learning the things that I'm learning because I am not an expert at caregiving by any means. The last thing I want to say is I would like to encourage all of you to think about either subscribing to the magazine or getting a gift subscription for someone that you know that needs the magazine. It's only $30 a year for the six issues. It's a bi-monthly. It's chock full of information. I can't think of a better gift to give someone who you know is either already caring for somebody Or getting ready to care for someone. So we have Mother's Day coming up. By huge numbers, women far outweigh the number of caregivers than men do, and we don't want to downplay men caregivers, but it makes a nice Mother's Day gift for anyone who's caregiving. But there's birthdays and other holidays, or just make it a nice gift for somebody because you love them. We would love to have you share the magazine. That being said, we're going to wrap it up. Everything I talked about will be in the show notes. Links to the website where you can find links to uh, how to contribute to the magazine, a link to the book review that we did, and a link to how you can get in touch with Heather, who wrote the book review, and probably a couple more links. I hope I didn't forget anything. Otherwise, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. The Reverse Podcast is written and produced by the F Suite LLC, all rights reserved. Our audio engineer is Andrew Hayworth. Thank you for listening.